This is Larry's 530 Roundtable on Newstalk 610 CKTB. Let's meet today's panel, Mayor of Waynefleet, April Jeffs, in our studio. Hello, April. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. How are things? Good, good. Excellent. Yeah, liking this cooler weather. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not going to last, so we can have a day yeah. of little touch yeah, of nice fall. Little and yeah, it's a yeah. nice little break. Nice little break. How are things in Waynefleet? Things are good. We're ramping up for the Marshville Heritage Festival, which starts on Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And it looks like the weather is going to be good for that, and it's going to get hot again. So it's yeah, be a nice looking. Weekend, yeah. yeah, and they always draw a big crowds. So we're looking forward to welcoming everybody to the township. Good, good. So that's on. That's that's no, on. Yep, yeah. yep. No, they had they had the fire last week, and it was one of the buildings that they had ready to be open. Uh, they had worked on it for the last couple of years, so oh, it's unfortunate, geez. but. Yeah. It was in a location that um, we were able to go. I think it was it was all taken down yesterday, so so it doesn't impact the festival at all. But just just sad for the volunteers because yeah. they've worked on that for years. That is too bad. But I'm glad to hear it's on. Not only because people love to go, but there's there's a lot of people who who set it up and everything who rely on this thing going. Yeah, no, it so. takes I have hundreds of volunteers to to run it. Absolutely. Welcome to the panel. Also, health promoter Marty Mako. Marty, how are you? Hey, Larry. Doing great, thanks. Excellent. How's your summer? Oh, it's been going very well so far. Yeah, we have a one-year-old daughter, so I'm kind of seeing everything through fresh eyes, getting out, exploring these community events, like the one on Wayne Fleet. And yeah, they're all so much fun when you got a little toddler walking around with you. Right. And and one, you say, so everything's kind of the first time. Exactly. First first this, first first that. First Winona Peach Festival last weekend. It's Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Isn't that great? And uh, tell me, what else are you working on? Oh, I actually just started a new job one week ago, which I thought some people might be interested in learning about. It's the manager of the community paramedicine program with Niagara EMS. So most people are familiar with the traditional role of EMS with emergency ambulance response, but I wasn't sure if people would know much more about the community aspect. Community paramedicine? Correct. So what we're okay. looking at are people who have called EMS or 911 a minimum of five times in the past 12 months. So people are calling quite frequently. And what we do is we proactively visit these people yes. to try and prevent unnecessary yes. uh, 911 calls. So very innovative, kind of looking at bringing prevention into EMS. Yeah, we. I did talk to them about this uh, a few months ago. So it's it's kind of it's been around. Yeah, it is. It's been around less than a couple years though. So it's yeah. still new and evolving and changing, but very innovative in terms of reaching out to those who are calling 911 when maybe hospital is not the best end destination for this person. So how can we look at addressing the issues in the person's home? Because often the people want to be at home. They don't want to wait 12 hours in an ER. So it's how can we more proactively visit these people and use paramedics in a different type of role? And there's actually a connection to Wayne Fleet because Wayne Fleet does not have a permanent ambulance base. They have permanent community paramedics right in Wayne Fleet. Really? We do, yeah. yeah. That's been, I think, for about four years mm-hmm. now. Wow. And, and and the start of that was we there was a uh, we identified a need and response time in Wayne Fleet. So I went to uh, Chief Smith and Dr. Yeager at at the time, and we talked about what we could do to to help with that issue. And so they they I think it had been somewhere else in the province mm-hmm. where they'd done a community paramedic program. And so they ran a pilot, and it's been very successful. And I was saying to Marty when we came in, I feel like it doesn't get enough attention. There are still a lot of people who aren't aware that that's happening in Wayne Fleet or in other parts of the region. And it's great we we all have a, an aging population, so mm-hmm. um, especially in Wayne Fleet, the community paramedics. 
there have really taken strides to get to know the members of the community. And I've seen things even posted on Facebook that I've directed to the media where people have said, thank goodness, Dan. Well, there's two Dans in Wayne Fleet. Um, Dan was there because he had a relationship with my mother. And I don't think she would have gone with him or gone with someone else to the hospital had it not been Dan there to transition mm-hmm. her into the other ambulance. So really... Really good stories. I had another lady tell me the other day about her uh, father having dementia and how they had worked uh, with the family over the years. And now he's finally gone into um, some sort of a long-term care home. But they had a, they had some stress and some issues leading up to that. And the community uh, paramedic program was really helpful. And she wanted to get that that out, um, you know, into the media so that people knew what a great program mm-hmm. it was. So, you know. The key really is those trust, that trust and relationship building that April's talking about. I was just looking at some of the metrics today, though, from the program. There's almost a 50% reduction in 911 calls among the caseload we're looking at. Yeah. So that's 50% less people sitting in the emergency department, almost 50% less in hospital admissions, too. So think of those costs that we're saving the healthcare system, too. So it's definitely beneficial to the patient just for the quality of life, but financially it makes sense, too. So it's a really innovative program. I remember hearing about it, and just, just the, the idea of, well, we call EMS. What if EMS called you. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, what, I don't know that it started that way, but that's kind of re- what it is in a way. It doesn't get the same like, yes. uh, highlight because there's no ambulances and sirens. It doesn't get that same uh, public notor- notoriety, but it's really making an yeah. impact. Well, and I know in the beginning there were some concerns about uh, family doctors not knowing maybe what what kind of assessments have been made and care have been given had there been a call or, or just a regular mm-hmm. visit. But I know now, and I'll confirm with you, Marty, that mm-hmm. they've they've really come a long way too with linking up with the doctor's offices mm-hmm. so that they know if their patient has had contact with one of the paramedics. Well, you're setting and, me up perfectly okay, here because great. that's part of my role as the program manager. So whenever we do an intake visit with a new client, I fax the doctor's office all of the information the care plan, any interventions we're working on with them. So the communication is seamless between the community paramedic and the primary care uh, doctor. So all of that is improving. That's fantastic. Uh, the only segue here is that this is also, I guess, a health and well-being issue. Safe injection sites were, the new ones, one in St. Catharines included, were kiboshed by the Ford government. An open letter went out today from over 120 organizations in this province uh, asking for them to uh, reconsider. Where do we stand on safe injection sites, April? Well, I think, I, n- I know people have said that the government has has just said no to it, but I believe I believe the terminology that they've used is they've, they've pressed the pause button on it um, to have a have a look and and I think consult with a lot of organizations and um, I had a brief conversation at the AMO conference with uh, Minister Elliott about it um, you know asking if if maybe we from public health I'm co-chair of public health at the region and I, I mean I will be um, ending my role as a regional counselor and mayor uh, come beginning of December but could we maybe uh, have a meeting with her which she was very open to and I know that they have reached out to some members of the community. There are a couple moms um, and I forget, that's the acronym names, it's Niagara Area Moms and I can't remember the uh, last two. Part of the open network. Yeah, yeah. and they, the they've uh, you yeah. know, sadly lost children to overdoses mm-hmm. and so I know that they, they've reached out to one of the moms and there's a meeting coming up and so I know that they're reaching out and consulting with people. So I, I don't think it's completely um, it's completely written off. I think that they're reviewing and having a look. And right. I think I've said before when 
Well, uh, just that I think it, people need to understand, you know, harm reduction and what that means. And I think maybe some of the people, particularly, I don't think the premier really, um, you know, he talked about, nope, he was completely against them. And I think uh, he's becoming more open and okay. trying to learn about mm. harm reduction. Uh, that's positive from my perspective, because I'm supportive, um, obviously, coming from EMS, we focus on harm reduction as well, and yeah. the community paramedicine program. And actually, I was listening to the interview about an hour ago with Glenn Walker, and he talked about how some community organizations were going to be coming in and supporting the supervised injection site, uh, community paramedics were actually part of that. We were going to be some of the workers really? that okay. were going to be coming in to work. Because once you have uh, people with mental health and addiction struggles in one place, that's when you have the opportunity to talk to them about potentially behavior change, health education, because often the hardest part is finding them. So right. when you have people together in one place, we would take advantage yeah. of that opportunity uh, to look at longer term change. I just kind of thought there was enough research already. Well, I, I I think that there has been a lot, and I'm you know I'm supportive of uh, of harm reduction measures, and I think that people people in general, I mean, you hear you see the comments on Facebook, people pro, people against, and I think it's just again um, maybe using better examples, like some of the people I've spoken to kind of liken it to um, smoking cessation. It, it's okay for people to use a patch or or Nicorette gum. So I'm I mean I'm I'm not minimizing it, but it's the same sort of same sort of idea. So I think if people just had a better understanding, I don't know if it's the research so much as it's communicating and really okay. trying to get past that stigma. Right. I think there is, because I always often think people believe safe injection sites sanction drug use, which is that's mm. like, it's okay, you can do it here. Not really. I don't think that's the purpose, uh, nor is it the solution. It's just Some people may have thought of it as a magic pill, too, and I, I think uh, that's maybe got out there inappropriately, that it's part of a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to uh, right. uh, minimizing drug use. It's not that that alone will save our communities. I think a supervised injection site is part of a larger effort. Well, and what I've been, the the best way it was put to me was it, it's keeping people alive until they're able to get in, get to that place where they're, they're finally ready to make a change in their life and get help. And I, I like what Marty said about the community paramedic program being there and, and trying to point people in the right direction and showing them their, their options mm -hmm. that making that choice. And you can build that trust while they're there, as you're saying, which yeah. is so important. It's our 530 round table, Marty Mako and April Jeffs. As a mayor, you are a regional councillor. I am. So here we have the regional council uh, in the news for, I guess, all the wrong reasons. Uh, and the ombudsman saying today they will uh, do an investigation into the uh, CAO hiring process. Yeah, and that's I think that's a great thing because we unanimously agreed that there should be an ombudsman investigation. And I think there was some concern from councillors that at this point maybe the ombudsman wouldn't want to do an investigation. But uh, clearly, as, as we know today, the announcement came that um, he's willing to do it. And I know it's going to take time and, and uh, they're very thorough in their investigations so uh, so yeah I think it's it's what you know the constituents want and uh, sure. so we're going to move forward with that do you think the fact that there's an investigation going on right now even though the results won't be out till after the election is is enough for people to uh, to affect their vote somehow uh, I think people are paying very close attention to this you know what really struck me from the media release from the ombudsman was over a hundred 
complaints yeah. they'd received. Yeah. That to me seemed very high. And I, I know a few candidates running in the local election in St. Catharines, and they're starting their door knocking as, as April is. And they tell me it's coming up all the time at the doors. So not just from what you might call the chattering class that kind of are active on social media about every issue, but people you wouldn't normally think of. This is this is resonating with. Yeah, I, I guess because there's just been so much to report. I actually wasn't surprised at 113 or so complaints because mm. I, I find people will be quicker to complain than to compliment. People well, yeah, usually that's don't true. line up to tell you you're doing a good job. Fair enough. <laughs> I think I've had three of those emails in eight years now. <laughs> but it's true, yeah, that people tend to. Uh, but I, I was surprised too. I thought mm. it was 113. Uh, yeah, yeah. I no, I thought number. that was that was high. But it shows there's a, a great concern in in the region. Yep, people just want the truth. I think whatever that is are we going to get a new nafta whatever it's going to be called any mm. feelings on this i mean I don't, I don't know how concerned people are but it's a big deal i mean it could really affect our mm-hmm. economy depending on what kind of trade deal is uh, struck marty yeah uh, well, i'm something? supportive of the wage going up for workers in industrial whatever country it is i saw that as a positive yeah. like even people living in mexico should be par- paid a fair living wage whatever that would equate to in that country so i think it's going to look different but from my reading of it that uh canada might not actually come out too badly out of a revised NAFTA. And either might Mexico and the U.S. What I was reading is that it might be the Asian countries that are affected a little bit more. They uh, Maybe it'd be the Hondas and Toyotas and Kias that are coming from Asia. They might come out as the quote-unquote losers and that a revised NAFTA Canada might not uh, fare too poorly. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I know Donald Trump talks a lot about dairy, but from an economic standpoint, the auto sector is, is the big question. And mm-hmm. uh, if they can work that out... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what has that. That seems to be the talk that I hear. There's a concern about that, and I know there there've been comments made that the the ball has kind of been dropped and um, you know being excluded from the talks for the last month. And now there seems to be this panic. But it, it sounded definitely more positive today as we're kind of getting in to that eleventh hour. We were joking uh, in the studio earlier that you could take uh, Christian Freeland's speech from uh, Tuesday and just replay it on Wednesday and Thursday. Because uh, <laughs> she's pretty consistent about, you know, mm-hmm. we're having some good talks, making some progress, mm-hmm. there's some concerns, we're best deal for Canadians. And, and I get that that's, mm-hmm. that's what you say, right. but uh, I, I'm not getting a hint as to how well it's going. I'm but not sure. May, I'm, I'm feeling okay. optimistic, and I feel yeah. positive that they were reopening the negotiations. It had been however many years. I think it is time just like the other issue around your was it um duty and how much you're able to purchase from cross-border right, shopping right. i think it was time to review that as well so i think some change is okay yeah we had a shooting at uh, yorkdale we society we at yorkdale mall in toronto uh today a couple of shots fired uh nobody with gunshot wounds nobody injured at all i guess mm. but we've been talking over the last couple of days the idea of banning handguns in a city and now a uh, bill blair and others are going to actually investigate um whether to give cities the power i mean mm. i'll just ask you outright should we ban handguns it's such a touchy subject, and I heard um, during the provincial election when we're talking about door knocking and canvassing, I heard a lot of people um, talking about that, like concerns with with Bill C seventy one, and and um, so I, I I don't necessarily think that's the answer because we do have um, a good process in Canada where we vet uh, vet people, and and there's a whole mental health piece to it. So so I don't know if that's the answer. It tends to be I find that we tend to look at let's just kind of you know 
mm-hmm. paint everything with a broad brush and be done with it. And then there are a lot of a lot of good people that get caught up in that. I see that you know with with so many things we even make that mistake in smaller municipalities with bylaws. You implement a bylaw because something went wrong, and then now you've you've captured a whole uh, group of people that you didn't mean to. So uh, I don't know if if that's the answer. But like I say, that's a definite you know hot a hot mm-hmm. topic with people for sure. I, I was gonna build on that point of unintended consequences too. I'm not sure if that's the right policy option. I think the goal of better gun control and less shooting and deaths that's the admirable goal. But how to get at that? I'm not sure because I, yeah, I'm not a gun owner myself, so I don't have a vested interest in this mm-hmm. debate right, other than just having less shootings because mm-hmm. handguns in particular, like rifles, I could see for hunting and that type of recreational activity. But a handgun, I'm not sure. But some people I know collect and they go to the shooting range and they. So I know mm-hmm. it's a. It's I definite, see for those reasons. Yeah, yeah it is, I mean, I do know people who are avid gun collectors, yeah. and uh, I mean, I've, 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 they go to the gun shows on a regular right. basis, and it, and it's. And that's it's not a, who we want to penalize. No, exactly. We exactly. don't, and what I never understand, although it. You know, first blush, it sounds good. Well, if we just ban them, they'll all go away. But that's the thing they won't. We don't know how to get those those bad guns out of the hands of bad people. How does a ban do that? Yeah. The goal is admirable. I'm just not sure if that's the right solution. Yeah. And but but to give it to the power to the cities. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. You know, so they, they could be banned here, but not. In Wainfleet. I don't mean, you know, yeah. if, if individual cities and, and municipalities yeah. get to make the choice, that's going to be interesting. That seems yeah, confusing well, to me, too, uh, if you're driving between cities. Uh. Well, I can tell you that we reopened our f- um, firearm bylaw several years ago. We had we had, had some complaints about, um, uh, it was like waterfowl hunting along the lakeshore area. And so we had some residents who were against that to ask us to o- reopen the bylaw. So we had a public meeting and we had over three, it was the biggest public meeting I've ever chaired, uh, over 300 people, and they were excellent, uh, excellent, but it never got out of control or anything. Mm. But I mean, they we had the um, the Angler and Hunters Association mm. come down, mm-hmm. and and we ended up we ended up revamping the bylaw. It ended up being a good thing. It was kind of outdated. We revamped it, but mm. but the people were really concerned about us, um, you know, taking away like changing anything that mm. would limit them from from hunting. I think the key is really getting all those different stakeholders at the table because we all come with our own bias with issues True. around guns. So making sure you've at least listened to all the different parties. The Toronto Star had an interesting article today on uh, young kids being embarrassed at school by their ethnic lunches that their mother made them. Oh, you eat the stinky fish and all these kids. So, um, and and how they had to embrace their culture later in life because in school they were teased and all this. Anybody had a bad lunch experience? <laughs> Do I don't. Re- I just remember? remember being envious of. We had kids in the class, like Italian kids, and they'd always have such great baked goods and dessert. They, and my mom never, you know, <laughs> God rest her soul. But uh, I, I just always had store bought cookies and stuff. So I remember, like, I just remember being envious. My one good friend, her parents were from the Ukraine, and oh my goodness, her mom's still alive and just baked like amazing. Wow. Cook- oh yeah, awesome. Mm. Good I memories. find those often tend to be healthier too. The yeah. ethnic well, lunches yeah, and from public are. health. Obviously, I promote healthier choices, but I just found when I was growing up to a lot of it used to be store packaged and full of preservatives. And, you know, that's the stuff I, I think is much less healthy and appropriate. I think I the, the fresh ingredients, the smells, that's often much better for you. Yeah.
I think so too, and I just I, I hope the kids learn to accept it. You know, maybe the teachers than, need to step in a little more too, yeah. and and that's bullying if if you're taking it that far. So maybe yeah, it needs true. to be addressed a little bit because healthy eating is important role modeling to set young. Yep, exactly. Marty Mako is a health promoter and manager of the community paramedicine program. Program. Uh, congratulations on the new job. Oh, thank you. I'm loving it so far. And April Jeffs, mayor of Wayne Fleet. Too soon to congratulate you on your new job, but that's <laughs> you're working towards it. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, see what yeah. we can do. Good luck, April. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. And I will see you tomorrow at the Greek, Greek Festival. Festival. Yes. I will be hey, there. I'll be there, too. Right. Oh, <laughs> so we tomorrow. can, we can Opa. continue the conversation. <laughs> We're live on location there. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you. That's our 530 Roundtable.